Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Taglier, and today we've got a great guest on. It's Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. He also does TV for CBS Sports Net and is an award-winning host on Sirius XM. Jeff's on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe, his name. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro, and Tags is at Mike Taglier NFL. Jeff, thanks for coming to the show. How's it going? It's going very well. I'm excited. You know, it, I feel like this year it it was it was different for me because I was much more into NBA, right? So that like totally changed my off season. I was into NBA until like June, and which is awesome. I'm I'm happy about that. But not not much downtime. Mid August now, ready to roll, and football's here in what is it, twenty three days or something like that? Twenty two days. It's it's rapidly approaching. It is rapidly approaching. It's a lot of fun, but man, it is a lot of work. Tags, what's going on, buddy? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Um, I, I, I did want to give a shout out to one of my Twitter followers from last night. I posted a video uh, on Twitter and uh, he said, Tags, I've been listening to the podcast for a long time. And he's like, I didn't know you were han- so handsome. I was like, that made up <laughs> that made up for my grandpa's comment from the other day. So, uh, by the way, I did want to just like do like a, a PSA here. Just saying, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you're not on Twitter following people, like you need to do that. Missing out on a lot of information. Yeah, it's it's one of the best sources of information. Like that's the reason I signed up for Twitter in the first place. So make sure you get on Twitter. Seriously, just follow it for football. It doesn't need to be a social media thing where you follow your friends. Get on there, follow myself, follow Jeff, follow Bobby, and like literally you will be more in the know. You know, you find out when we post articles, you find out when podcasts go up, you find out news uh, as things are happening on game day. Before anybody else, your league mates will wonder, how did you know before it went to the TV? And you know when you're working in an office and it's like you're just doing uh, quick hitting uh, tidbits with your buddy and you're talking about fantasy football. Whenever I have one of those thoughts or tags or Jeff has one of those thoughts, we share it on Twitter. We don't share it on our podcast or in our articles. And so there's just a lot more stuff uh, and conversations that happen. Twitter's a lot of fun um, as long as you stay out of the uh, the dark areas of Twitter. Some people are just really big jerks, right, guys? That's, that's every bit of social media, though. <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere near as bad as Reddit. So, guys, here's the game plan. Since Jeff's on and he's always one of the most accurate experts in our expert accuracy contest. What we're going to do is we're just going to ask him who some of the players are that he likes a lot more than consensus, a lot less than the, than the consensus. That way we can, uh, you know, just get an idea about the players he's most passionate about. Then at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about uh, as many fantasy relevant rookies as we can, the guys that were higher on the consensus and lower on the consensus. Before we get into that, we've got a little bit of news, but first I want to tell you all about our cheat sheet creator. It's the easiest way to create a cheat sheet for your draft. You can instantly import any rankings from the web or from a spreadsheet on your computer. You can also combine multiple expert cheat sheets into one consensus cheat sheet. So you can pick your favorite experts, combine them all together, and then you've got a team of experts whispering in your ear telling you who to draft. Premium members will be able to customize rankings through a simple drag-and-drop interface, create player tiers with the click of a button, and import and edit player notes. Rankings can also be imported to Excel or used in our draft simulator and draft assistant. All the customization work you do on your cheat sheet is going to be leveraged in these integrated draft tools. And guys, if you want to check that out, you can find it at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. And like I mentioned, a lot of this is for premium members. And if you want to get a six month Hall of Fame premium upgrade for free, that's a $65 value. You can go to fantasypros.com slash offers to take advantage of one of our deposit offers. So basically, if you're a first time user or one of our partners, you'll be able to deposit $10 and you can win money with that $10. And you'll get a $65 value. It's a six-month Hall of Fame premium package. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash offers. All right, guys. So we did just have one piece of news. It's that uh, Antonio Brown is now back with the team. 
Uh, Tax, what are we doing with this situation, man? <laughs> well, we talked about this on the show yesterday in, in regards to like where we were dropping Antonio Brown in our rankings. It's good to hear he's back with the team. He's not practicing yet due to this whole frostbite situation. I don't know how long it typically takes to, re- to recover from frostbite. Uh, Jeff might have more insight on that, but uh, I- I've dropped him into this year with Keenan Allen and Mike Evans, uh, and I don't even feel comfortable grabbing in there. I'm usually grabbing a, a running back there in like the third round, uh, but I've seen him in some best ball drafts, Jeff, falling into like the fourth and fifth round. I pulled the trigger a few times. Am I going to be regretting that? I don't think so. It's just, it's all a matter of, of how much risk you can, you can withstand. So for me, there are four players right now that I think you have to move down and then you have to figure out where are you willing to risk it? So you have Elliott, you have Gordon, you have Brown and you have AJ Green. Now AJ Green, obviously for a bit of a different reason. For me right now, I move Brown down to 12 at wide receiver so that's roughly about mid-third round. So if you're at 3-6, 3-7, Brown's still there. I think he is worth the risk. You just have to be conservative with your first two picks. Jeff, I want to ask you about those other plays you brought up. At what point are you willing to draft them? I was talking to Tags about this before the show, and you could legitimately get a team of Ezekiel Elliott at 1-6, Todd Gurley at 2-7, Melvin Gordon at 3-6, Antonio Brown at 4-7, A.J. Green at 5-6. If you have those five, good luck against that team in the fantasy playoffs, assuming you actually make it. But uh, there's a lot of upside out of those guys. Are you willing to take on that kind of risk? I'm not willing to take uh, an approach like that in today's fantasy football and home leagues. And I know a lot of people listening to this you know, podcast are, are drafting in home leagues, and you draft differently than in industry leagues. Now, the knuckleheads in your home leagues, and, and if you're listening to this right now, you know, hopefully it's not you, <laughs> but you know who I'm talking about. They are a lot better in the first couple rounds of drafts than they were a decade ago. And the reason for it's pretty simple. They go literally, they do no prep. So they go to Google and type in fantasy football rankings. And I'm sure fantasy pros comes up or ESPN or whoever, and they get the first set of free rankings they can get their hands on. And right now the rankings and and tags, you can attest to this, Bobby, you can attest to this. The, The amount of Smart people in this industry is growing exponentially year by year. So the rankings are significantly better than they were a decade ago, much less that same person probably didn't know how to use the internet a decade ago. So they were getting a magazine that was dated and they were showing up and they were just butchering their entire draft. Now they draft lights out for the first couple rounds. I had this guy in a home league a couple years ago and I was like, what the heck did he do over this? I want performance enhancing drug tests going on here because this guy's drafting. Well, no, it fell apart by the fifth round, right? That's where it's going to happen for those guys. So because these people don't make as many mistakes in the early rounds, it makes more sense for us to be conservative in the early rounds. There's no such thing as safety in fantasy drafts, but try and be as safe as, as possible. Whereas, hey, I'm going to be drafting against tags, you know, and, and a bunch of industry folks uh, this upcoming weekend. I'm going to be aggressive AF in that league. Of course I am because these guys know what they're doing. So I have to, you know, drive in a different gear for that type of draft. But home leagues, really conservative. So right now with Zeke, if I was drafting this weekend, I'm looking at him at the turn of the first, second round. I think that's where I feel good. With AB, I said the middle of the third round. With Melvin Gordon, it's the middle of the fourth round. I I am not optimistic on him. And then AJ Green, I think once you get into the sixth round, I think it's fine. If he's still hanging around there, that's when I'd pull the trigger. So why aren't you very optimistic about Melvin Gordon? Is it the uh, specifics of his contract? Is it just you think the team's not going to come to an agreement and no one wants to trade for him? I think it's the age, really. Um, that's why I'm more optimistic on on Zeke. Zeke is is essentially the same age as Gurley last year when Gurley got his extension. Of course, he got it done before camp. Uh, so I'm more optimistic there. 
Whereas you're, you're talking about a 26-year-old running back, and we just saw, now granted, he was on a franchise tag, so it was a little bit different, but a 26-year-old running back literally sit out the entire season, which nobody thought could have happened. So where there's smoke, there's potentially fire. It's super risky. Of course, in the fourth round, though, if you played it safe for three rounds, then yes, swing for the fences with Melvin Gordon if he's there. But earlier than that, you could be sacrificing you know, uh, a really quality value in that in that area trying to swing for the fences. You know, Tags, Le'Veon Bell thought that he was actually going to get a contract. Like, hey, I'm going to hold out, and they're, they're going to realize they have to pay me. And it didn't work out. I'm wondering if Melvin Gordon looks at this and says, okay, I'm going to do as much as I can, but there's no way I'm going to get screwed like Le'Veon Bell did by his agent. Well, it's a different scenario, too, right? Where it's like Le'Veon Bell was franchise tagged, uh, and they tagged him again, and it's like he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver, and his numbers backed up the fact that he was playing as a receiver, running back, whatever. Uh, so the numbers he wanted were astronomical. I'm just, I'm kind of confused by the whole situation because the Chargers, this is the same front office that, you know, they paid a first round pick for Melvin Gordon. But again, this they already offered him 10 million. That's a ton. I mean, if it's per year, if it's guaranteed, I don't know what they're actually offering him. We, we, we could hear tidbits, but uh, running backs are screwed into the, the way that the contracts are set up today like you know they come into the league they're able to be used right away and it's not like a learning curve like wide receiver where it's like their second contract is going to be their best years running back their best years are like legitimately when they come into the league and melvin gordon he may have already used all those up and uh unfortunately he's on the just the wrong side of this contract talk i think those are all really good points guys so all right jeff now before we get to your first running back i want to tell you all about nfl game pass only with nfl game pass can you get every out of market preseason game live and with the preseason underway you can start now with nfl game pass you can get a first look at all the rookies and all the players on new teams it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place and you guys know me i'm most excited to watch mike boone this preseason he's just crazy when he has the ball in his hands and i really want him to get an opportunity it's probably not going to happen behind dalvin cook and alexander madison but hopefully uh you know they'll, they'll cut him and or trade him and he'll go to a, a team where he'll get an opportunity I love watching Mike Boone play. And with NFL Game Pass, I can watch Mike Boone live in the preseason. And if I miss him, I can replay after it's aired. Whoever you want to watch this preseason, you'll need NFL Game Pass to do so if you're out of market. How's Kyler Murray going to look in this up-paced Cliff Kingsbury offense? How's Antonio Brown going to fit into the Raiders offense if he finally plays? Can Nikhil Harry win over the Patriots' trust as a rookie wide receiver? Make sure to see all the action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. And best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash FantasyPros. Again, that's NFL.com slash FantasyPros for a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Uh, Jeff, we're going to talk about your rankings now. We're going to start at the running back position. And if you guys want to follow along, we're going to be talking about ECR a little bit, ADP. ECR means expert consensus rankings. So we're going to compare where Jeff is compared to the the industry consensus, the analysts in the industry, and then talk about ADP again, which is average draft position. That's at fantasypros.com slash rankings. We've got all that there. We draw from over 100 analysts in the industry. We draw from uh, a consensus of, of websites for ADP. I think it's six or seven sources. Um, so Jeff, let's start at the running back position. Is there a running back right now that you like quite a bit more than the consensus in the industry? A bit more, it would have to be, and I don't know how much more, but David Montgomery really is the guy who I've sort of been banging the table for. But the problem is that now he had a decent showing in the first preseason game. I'm fairly sure ECR is going to catch up with me, but I've had him at 21 pretty much all along here. And so I think I'm still ahead of the curve there because I know a lot of people were ranking him outside of the RB2s. 
what and I understand that to a degree because of course you have Tariq Cohen there, but there's a big difference between a guy like David Montgomery and a guy like Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, I said this this time last year and people were hate tweeting me. There's the good parts of Twitter. <laughs> That he was not a fit for that offense. And and when you go back, people will say, oh, but he had over 1,000 yards. Yeah, at 3.7 yards per carry, Jordan Howard faced sub-package defense on 82% of his carries last year. He was at an advantage on 82% of his carries, and he averaged 3.7 yards per. So, you know, it's a different player. Now you have David Montgomery who can create on his own. We saw that that touchdown, and I know, I, we talk about the touchdown, and already people are going to at me and say it was the defense's fault, because I get it. Everything in the preseason, the defensive <laughs> fault, or they're against the third and fourth stringers, right? But he had a sick jump cut before the the line of scrimmage when he when he ha- got the handoff. It was a sick jump cut. Like he is super elusive. Ninety nine force missed tackles last season. Led the nation in that category. The one downside is that yes, Cohen is going to get his in the passing game, but Montgomery's going to get more than what Howard got last year. So I love if if I'm going running back heavy, I love it if I can get David Montgomery as my third running back so he could be my flex. I have actually had that work out a couple times. I love him this year. I think he's he's a you know breakout star in the making, just not a full true three down guy. I'm wondering who's going to reach more for David Montgomery. Is it going to be you or Brad Evans this weekend? Because we are <laughs> all going to be drafting together, and Evans is like he's banging that drum on David Montgomery. Now let me play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, David Montgomery was my favorite running back coming out of the draft. I love the player. I love his skill set, and I, I do think that he can fit in this offense very well. He's a better pass catcher, obviously, than Jordan Howard was. But my concern is that his ADP is going to get to the point where it's almost too expensive because you you do have Mike Davis there. Mike Davis is a competent football player. I'd say he's actually above average who hasn't really had the opportunity to highlight what he can do. You know, he plays well on third down. He's listed ahead of Montgomery on the depth chart right now. Again, Montgomery is going to be the starter here. I think that he is going to be the running back. And if he walks in that Jordan Howard role... He's going to be a top 20 running back hands down. I would rank him in the top 20. But are you concerned about Mike Davis stealing touches? I'm actually not. I think that the other point you brought up is the more concerning thing. Where does his ADP go to? You know, he we saw him sort of settle out right before the preseason game in the mid-fourth round. And now uh, we have a series of drafts at PFF. So we have... We have a gazillion part-timers who help out with all the data collection stuff. Not the fantasy team, but the other team at PFF. So we're doing like a basically like a Scott Fishbowl-sized league, and we're getting all this information. And David Montgomery in most of the drafts is going in the third round. Wow. So Ooh. to me that and and you know we haven't seen seen ADP settle out yet. I think that when we get to the twenty fourth, when we get to the thirty first, those two big. Uh, draft weekends there or the Labor Day weekend, uh, we're going to see, you know, his ADP in the third round, I think ultimately settled out. And that to me, that's where I'm not willing to take him. I want to take him in the fourth. So I don't, I actually won't reach for him, believe it or not. You know, Brad can, Brad can certainly reach. And when Brad reaches, what he's doing is making a mistake because he's going to let value fall to me. That's a great way to put it. You know, I've been moving David Montgomery up my rankings as well. I mean, how can you not? I remember just a couple of weeks ago, he was RB 30. I'm looking at it right now. RB24 in terms of ECR, ADP, running back 23. And I want to ask you, you've got him at 21. So do you have him ranked over somebody like Josh Jacobs? Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, yeah. No, I'm actually higher on Derrick Henry than a lot of other people. And no, Josh Jacobs is at 20. So I have him ahead of, let's see, Chris Carson, Ooh, okay. who, who would be ahead of him on ECR. I have him ahead of Mark Ingram. And that's a ceiling floor issue for me. Yeah. Uh, Carson, I mean, we heard... Pete Carroll talking about Carson being in on passing downs. 
P. Carroll, the Kumbaya coach, <laughs> sometimes he says stuff and actually means it. Other times he's just a total coach speak. So yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, if Carson does, if Carson go out and get 250 carries and 40 catches, whoa, <laughs> like we're, we're <laughs> way underestimating Chris Carson. <laughs> But I think he's fair where he is, you know, and, and part of that ADP is the people are buying into Rashad Penny. Ingram is interesting, but, you know, not a ton of upside. So I have my head at those guys. I don't know if there's anybody else here. Oh, Sony Michelle. Why, I, I'm curious why ECR is so high on Sony Michelle. I have him a lot further down. So I think those are the guys. It's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault, Sony Michelle. So I and Chris Carson. I've got them right now as my RBs 15 and 16. Uh, Sony Michelle, obviously didn't catch any passes last year. They say they're working on that, but what I'm excited about is he played 16 games last year, including the playoffs, 1,267 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. Nobody else in football did both those things in 16 games. Um, He's a very good runner. It's a very good uh, offense for him to be a part of. Yeah, I'm worried about Damian Harris because um, they drafted him. They spent draft capital on him, and they held him back in the first preseason game, but they're saying right now Sonny Michel's the clear starter, and he was good last year, so why not? I mean, for me, it's the knee and and teams sure. teams can tell you something you know vocally at the podium, and then they will tell a different story when they make their draft picks. And prioritizing running back on day two, that that could be something with his knee. It also could be the fact that the Patriots are going uber 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 run heavy this year because they already started down that that path last year. They could be right there with the Seahawks and the Ravens in terms of rushing attempts. Yeah, I, I'm with that. Now, Mike, so Jeff, I, I really want to dig in this for a minute just because I think it's an, an important debate because Sonny Michel, while there are concerns about his knee, he's obviously part of that Patriots offense. He looked fantastic in the postseason. If they're going to start using him in the passing game, it's raising that ceiling. I have Sonny Michel over Derrick Henry. Why is it that you're okay with Henry though? Like in in terms of like, you know, this is a guy that over the course of his entire, you know, college career and pro career, he's never seen 30 targets in a season. Like he's just not that guy. I know they're talking about it, but with Deion Lewis there, I don't think that they leave Deion Lewis in the bench when they're in passing downs. I I don't disagree. I I don't think that there's much to Derrick Henry as a pass catcher whatsoever, but the the thing about it is if, if something's happened before, the likelihood of it happening happening again is higher than if it never happened in the first place. There's a little philosophy for you. Uh, and so Derrick Henry showed us in December last year that he doesn't have to catch a lot of passes to be an elite fantasy running back in PPR. So the fact that the question is, do you actually give your enormous human being of a running back a full workload? and run them into the ground this year, or do you <laughs> do what you did for the first 12 games last year and not do that? I, we saw a dramatic difference between Henry late in the season and early in the season, and he was being used in the red zone all along, which I like that. But if you tell me right now, again, this is another one of those scenarios, can we get Derrick Henry 280 to 300 carries? then we are underestimating him. So that's why I'm willing to take a shot on him. I think that the value of pass catching for some of these guys may be a bit overstated, and uh, I don't think it's as important as sometimes we make it out to be. I think it was game script dependent last year, and uh, that's what concerns me about Henry is just because I think the Titans are a fine football team, and we've seen them in the playoffs a couple times in the previous years, um, but I'm looking at Indianapolis. I think they're better. We're looking at Houston. I think they're better. Jacksonville, it's pretty close between them and Tennessee. Tennessee could feasibly finish fourth in this division, now, does the game script concern you at all with Henry? I mean, overall, I agree. I think he's going to finish as a top 20, probably 15 running back. But week to week, I'm just not sure he's going to be as consistent as some of the others. And the same thing goes for Marlon Mack. 
Yeah, consistency is tough to come by in fantasy football. You know, that's the unfortunate thing. And I and yeah, there's no denying that the game script is going to be a problem uh, at, at times. And if it wasn't, then I would be even higher on him. But sure. um, you know, it's just the the bang for the buck factor that I'm trying to get with a guy in that range. And what's interesting too, I don't know if you guys have found this, but you get these draft pockets, these sweet spots, and for some reason. <laughs> When I'm looking at Derrick Henry, the value at wide receiver just looks so much more appealing. So in that range of the draft, I'm almost never drafting him. All right, Jeff, let's go to a uh, a later round running back. Is there someone you've been adding to your bench as a backup running back that you're really fond of? Austin Eckler. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's the low-hanging fruit right there. And it's not that late. He's going in that same range as Miles Sanders, too, would be the other guy that I'd be looking at. I don't like to draft running backs in the late round. So after you get to pass round 10, there's it's it's such a crapshoot. I find that almost every year I'm cutting those guys so quickly, you know, within the first four weeks of the season. So it's it's almost a wasted pick there. I'd rather take shots at wide receiver, of course, draft and late round quarterback as well. So Austin Eckler last year, hey, when when you had Melvin Gordon banged up. Fortunately, we had four games of that because that's the other knock on Melvin Gordon is he can't stay healthy, especially later in the season. He, We saw that Austin Eckler and Jackson were out there, but Eckler was dominating on passing downs. He was almost the exclusive passing down back. And when you break down the carries, it was 65-35. So it's not like he's going to get 90% of the carries, but still, I'll take 65-35 any day of the week with what he can add in the passing game as well. And there's the possibility he's not going to be this year's James Conner necessarily, but he could maybe be this year's poor man's version of that, which in the seventh or eighth round where you're taking him isn't bad. And then the Miles Sanders thing, I just don't believe in Jordan Howard, as I said earlier. He he wasn't a good fit in the Bears offense. And, um, oh, wait, the Eagles run the exact same <laughs> offense. So I don't think it's going to go that much better this year um, for Jordan Howard. Miles Sanders might take a little bit of time, but by the time we get to November – especially December. I think it's going to be Sanders' show. You know, I would love if they used Miles Sanders. Um, I just don't know what Doug Peterson's going to do. You know, I look at Jordan Howard. Is there really much of a difference between him and Josh Adams? I mean, they're both just bruisers. Jordan Howard is a more complete NFL player, but in terms of what he can give to a fantasy team, if he's on the field, they're running the ball, and uh, it's not like he's going to break a run or anything. So I'm not very excited about Jordan Howard. But, you know, here's my one problem with Austin Eckler. I love the upside, obviously, if the Chargers do end up needing to use him, and they do use him. But when I watch Justin Jackson, I get really excited. Now, Jeff, you guys watch a ton of film at PFF. What do you guys think about Justin Jackson? Does he concern you at all? In terms of eating into Austin Eckler, no, I'm not concerned. Uh, but what I like about him is that in Week 15, uh, he was he was an every-down guy because Austin Eckler was hurt in Week 15, so no Gordon, no Eckler. He was the every down guy, and I don't think there's really anybody else on that on that uh, depth chart who would, uh, you know, threaten for that. So, it, you know, you all of a sudden it's it's a weird. You have this like secondary handcuff situation with Jackson this year that is really interesting. I I don't think he's going to compete with Eckler necessarily though. So you know, any, any hope of that, I don't really have it. I think Eckler's going to be the guy if Gordon isn't on this roster or is still holding out or whatever happens. Now, real quick, Jeff, before we move on to like wide receiver, uh, Austin Eckler, would you draft someone like him or someone like a Royce Freeman? Uh, Eckler, I would draft Eckler. I, I think Freeman is interesting for a number of reasons. Another guy who I got hate tweeted over. So that was, that's always fun Twitter, but uh, you know, Hey, he, he had the run in the preseason, but 
that was, I mean, it was a gigantic hole. <laughs> Anybody could have ran through it. So It's always really encouraging when uh, I get hate tweeted and I look at the guy's profile and it's like every single thing that he says is a hate message to someone. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really easy to not take it personal when that's the case. And they have seven followers. And <laughs> I just wonder whose burners they are. You know, that's my question always. Because you know it's somebody's burner. Somebody's sitting there just stewing over something and just taking it out on you. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. But either way, yeah, I, I like Royce Freeman. I have them, like, really, that's like a huge tier right in that range. Because there's other guys going there, too. Like, that's like that's the area where I'm more comfortable with Daryl Henderson. I don't think Daryl Henderson should be going in the sixth round. You know, more seventh, eighth round. Latavius Murray in that range. Rashad Penny in that range. Yeah. Um, and then you you have other guys who I wouldn't be looking at who are going to go in that range, like Lamar Miller. You know, not a lot of upside with Miller. Duke Johnson now complicating things. So I'd rather go with the younger upside guys. Besides Miller, is there another running back that you're fading at ADP? Like you're you're not going to touch them unless they fall a round or two. I don't know. Uh, Miller's been the guy for me. <laughs> he's like he's like my my poster for, for fade at ADP. Um, I mean, I guess like Jordan Howard, we talked about, he would be one. Oh, LaShawn McCoy is another one. Yeah. You know, and, and his ADP is completely reasonable, but I, I just, I don't have confidence that he's actually going to be on that roster. You know, again, teams tell a story. So you sign Frank Gore, you sign CJ Yeldon, you draft Devin Singletary. Like what story are we telling with these moves about how you feel about your current running backs? So love that. I, I can't, I can't really trust him. Then again, though, like, you know, people have said, well, what if LaShawn McCoy goes to Tampa? All right, well, maybe we have to reevaluate then (laughs) if that happened. But right now on the bills, I just can't get behind him. And and like I said, he's, it's reasonable where he's going. I just don't want any piece of him though. All right, guys, we're going to go wide receiver here in just a second. But first I want to tell you a little bit about draft. So guys, I know the feeling you're sitting here waiting for your draft and you're just kind of bored. You want to get into fantasy football. Well, fantasy football fans, listen up. You want to join the biggest NFL season long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. You can do it right now. That's right. $3.5 million in real money. It is freaking huge. And here's how best ball works. It's season long, but with no management. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically started and you'll get your best score every week guaranteed. There's no salary caps. You play in a real live snake draft, just like the ones you play with your friends in a season-long league. There's no better place to play, and you can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. Just do a draft, and you could be a millionaire 16 weeks later. It doesn't get any easier than that, guys. Join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in the app or Play Store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into this best ball championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code. It's FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's right, a free shot and a million dollars just by using the promo code FANTASYPROS when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the app or Play Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code FANTASYPROS. Okay, Jeff, so over at wide receiver, we're going to do the same kind of thing. Um, who is a guy that you're higher on than the industry and you've been getting a lot of shares of? I, I have to say Alshon Jeffrey. All right. Is one of those guys. And again, I'm not that much higher than consensus on Alshon, but it's it's a sort of connect the dots type thing with me and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, last year, you know, he he was obviously banged up during the course of the season. 
He didn't play the entire season, but he still managed a solid fantasy finish on the year. I mean, he was number 25 PPR wide receiver in the the data we have at PFF, despite missing three games. That's not bad. Yeah. 22 the season before. It's not great, but it's not bad either. And then, of course, getting Carson Wentz back out there. Alshon was one of the most heavily targeted receivers in the red zone, in the end zone in particular, in 2017. Those numbers regressed last year, but if we see some positive regression this year, there's a lot of upside with him. He's not the number one target, but he's the number one wide receiver in what looks like it's going to be one of the more potent offenses in the NFL, and you can get him dirt cheap. People just want to run away from him. And by the way, that the whole argument, like, he drops passes, like, all right, if your league gives you minus points for dropping passes, like, you get minus five points for dropping passes, <laughs> all right, cool, drop, you know. But he only had five drops last year. It, 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 sometimes we have to separate being a fan and being a fantasy player. And, and there's a big difference between those two. And, and I think sometimes people's fan uh, lens clouds their vision for some of these players. And here's the thing with these injury-prone guys. Like Alshon Jeffries had a lot of soft tissue injuries in his past. But if he doesn't play, you plug someone in. It's not like he's one of these guys where you play him and he just bums you out. Whenever he plays, he's a solid asset. Um, now, I'm looking at ECR right now. He's wide receiver 24. And ADP, he's down at wide receiver 28. And when I see that difference, it just kind of tells me, I don't know why, but the general public has a bad bias against him because the guys who were doing all the research, I mean, this is our, our whole life. We're doing this research. We've got Alshon Jeffrey quite a bit higher than the general public. Now, Tags, you're a little bit higher in Alshon Jeffrey, too. How high do you have him? Are you taking him over guys like uh, like Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay? Um, he's right in that tier, in the, in the exact same tier. Honestly, I have him right there at number, I have, as my wide receiver, 20. Okay. I would take him over some of the upcoming guys like a, like a Mike Williams or a Calvin Ridley because I, I know he's the number one there in terms of like the wide receiver. I know they have Zach Ertz there, but Deshaun Jackson, people are going to be worried about that, but I'm not one of them. I think Deshaun Jackson's better for real life football in terms of what he brings to the offense and in terms of how the defense has to approach him. Alshon Jeffrey's going to see some more one-on-one -on -one coverage than he typically would. Uh, again, he's been a top 30 receiver each of the last two years, despite dealing with some injuries, despite playing with a backup quarterback half the time. Alshon Jeffrey's just safe. He's not a sexy pick. And that's why people are passing on him. Uh, but I do like Alshon an awful lot. So you're a big Calvin Ridley guy. You're taking Alshon over Calvin? Yeah, I would. I just feel like it's safer in terms of like, I know the target floor and, and Ridley, you know, as good as he was last year. I mean, I, I, I did like him coming into the league as a player. He's not going to produce that efficiently, you know, and it's going to be tough for him to see more than like 100 targets with, you know, Julio and Muhammad Sanu there. Is there a deeper wide receiver? Maybe someone you could put on your bench, see breaking out, Jeff, that you uh, you've got a lot of shares of? Well, real quick, though, because you mentioned these guys, and I think this is important. Okay. So ECR, 20, 22, 23. Those are three guys who scored 10 touchdowns last year. Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams. And of those three, the only one who I think can replicate, and 10 touchdowns is a freaking lot, is. Yes. is Mike Williams because of his use in the red zone. Lockett's longer touchdowns, minimal volume. You know, to do that on under 60 catches is almost unheard of. Ridley's was explosive early, and then he he regressed as we expected. And even with Williams, I look at him at ranked at 23, and I'm thinking, wow, that's high for ECR. I'm, I have him at 28, and I thought I was reasonably high on him. Uh, that is pretty high. So I just wanted to point that out. But deeper guys, as you get down the list, I think if you guess right, or if you decide right, maybe I should say, on the number two in Pittsburgh, uh, you're going to do quite well this year. And I know a lot of people looked at James Washington's performance and got all excited about it, but Dante Moncrief is still in the mix. 
and I've actually been getting more shares of him than than James Washington right now. We forget last year he was in fantasy purgatory with Blake Bortles down there in Jacksonville. And then in his time in Indianapolis, even though he couldn't stay healthy, there were stretches where he had a little Chris Carter to his game where all he was doing was scoring touchdowns. He didn't have big numbers, but that's because he didn't stay on the field that much. Put him in that situation with a great opportunity to see targets. And if he emerges as that number two, like I said, if you guess right, easily going to outplay where you're drafting him. Whoever that guy is could potentially be knocking on wide receiver three territory just given the amount of targets that are available in that offense. Now, here's a quick question for you, Jeff. Are you against the strategy that you draft both of them? Like, because James Washington's falling. He's falling outside the top 50 wide receivers now. Moncrief's around that same territory. Are you okay drafting both of them and getting the wide receiver three of them? I I think you could get away with that. It's not typically a strategy that I like to use, but, I mean, you have to be aggressive in the middle and later rounds like i said earlier you you should be conservative in the early rounds in your home league drafts but you have to be aggressive in those middle and late rounds because ultimately and this is the the pitfall of like the fantasy world and why i often prefer rankings over projections people simply assume that the two are synonymous but rankings are averages and right if think about it if you draft averages you are going to draft an average team, right? And that's not what we want to do. So sometimes you do have to take a, a swing for the fences. It isn't a strategy. I, I don't think I've ever really deployed something like that, but I wouldn't be opposed to it with the knowledge that either, like if Washington completely like flamed out or Moncrief flamed out that I could drop them or that, you know, hey, I got the guy in case, uh, you know, something happens injury wise or whatever. Not that I handcuff wide receivers, but at least, you know, you have you have that in the back of your mind for some solace there. You know, this is really interesting. Dante Moncrief is another one of these guys, Jeff. ECR 47, ADP 55. And James Washington's the exact opposite. 55 and 47. Uh, Tags, it sounds like you're on Moncrief as well. I I have them literally like within three spots of each other in the same tier that like I'm with Jeff here. It's like if you guess correctly, uh, I just don't know which one it's going to be. And it's it's very possible that it's kind of both because if they go three wide and they slide Juju in the, into the slot, you know, like where he's been really good throughout his career. It's possible that they kind of like alternate in performance. But knowing that James Washington was out there in the second quarter. I'm tending to think it's Moncrief right now, but you know I think Washington had a good enough performance to where they actually have to think about, like, wait, should we get Washington out there? Because Roethlisberger and Tomlin have said nothing but good things about James Washington in practice. Unfortunately, when you see a player out there like him, like Dante Pettis, in the second quarter of the first preseason game, it doesn't give you the warm feelings inside that you want, but mm-hmm. um, we know that the upside's there. Now, Tags, I like Moncrief uh, maybe not quite as much as Jeff, but I don't have any shares of him because this is Anthony Miller range. Um do you have any shares of Moncrief or you just drafted Miller all over the place? I have Miller. Uh, I have Miller a lot higher um, than him. I, I believe that there's a there's a potential breakout for Anthony Miller. Looking closer and closer to Allen Robinson. the, the la- I've been moving Robinson down because I like Miller so much. Well, the lack of separation for Allen Robinson. I like Robinson as a player, um, but obviously worrying about Trubisky a little bit here in the reports that he's not doing so hot in camp and Robinson's going to face top tier cornerbacks because Taylor Gabriel's not going to do that. Um, and then you have Anthony Miller who's just dominated the slot snaps and he's going to see. And Trubisky loves slot receivers. Anthony Miller's also been a guy that even going back to Memphis, where he was really, really good in the red zone, and he just continues to find himself open there. Jeff, are you high on Anthony Miller? Do you think it's possible we're looking at like a top 36 wide receiver at year's end? I think that can happen. So the Fantasy League Experts draft was uh, a week and a half ago, and I was at that thing sitting next to Brandon Funston uh, from The Athletic, and I said, you know, real quick, how many touchdowns did Anthony Miller have last year? And he's like, I I think it was five. And I was like, nope, it was seven. It was seven 
He was banged up for the entire season. He had 33 catches. Seven of them were in the end zone. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I I loved him coming into the league. I think there's qualities. Now, I'm not saying he's Odell Beckham Jr., but there's qualities of Odell Beckham Jr.'s game to Anthony Miller. Jeff, I kid you not. I I don't want to cut you off, but I'm gonna let you keep going. But see, I kid you not. I have to, I have said the exact same thing that there's there's little parts of Anthony Miller's games that remind me of Beckham. If, if there's a breakout candidate, I love Miller in the late rounds. He's got that. He's got the chip on his shoulder. So a little bit of Steve Smith too, like the, the smaller guy, but can play so much bigger than what he is. He's a freak athlete. When you watch his college tape, he was the kid who always stood out every game. Uh, you know, checks all the boxes. It's just last year he was banged up. So yeah, I I have gotten a lot of shares of him as well. I actually do have him one spot ahead of Moncrief. And so you bring up a great point, Bobby. It's like sometimes, and this is why I love best ball because you know if you said Moncrief or Miller, I would probably say like seventy percent of the time I'm drafting Miller, maybe seventy five percent of the time. But in best ball, you do have that other twenty five percent of the time where you're going to draft Moncrief. Yeah. Is there a wide receiver that you're fading uh, at any point in the draft uh, compared to where he's going in ADP? Well, there's I think there's a bunch of guys that you can potentially look to fade, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the earlier guys. I I have been fading Julian Edelman, you know, and and the reason why it's not that I don't he's the guy. I mean, he there's no Gronk. You really don't have wide receivers like the Jacoby Myers thing is awesome. But Jacoby Myers, in the like a best case scenario, he's Julian Edelman's backup, right? Like because they play the same position. Anybody who's saying, oh, he's he's outperforming Nikhil Harry. OK, well, they play different spots in that offense. So let's you know, let's see how Nikhil Harry is is faring against the other folks who are playing that spot. And then let's compare Braxton Berrios and <laughs> Jacoby Myers. Right. But anyway, like Edelman, the, the concern that I have because last season was great. He's 33, and it sometimes happens quickly. Like, ask everybody, what was it, the 2016 version of Jordy Nelson, if they saw that he was going to fall off a cliff in 2017 and be almost unstartable for most of 2018 for fantasy. And I think they would have thought, no, that can't happen. But it happened rapidly. And, and you know, I understand in 2017, Rodgers was hurt, but Devontae Adams still had double-digit touchdowns in that offense. So... You know, it was pretty quick. So that's my concern. I don't want to take Edelman in like the third or fourth round range where he's typically going and invest in a 33-year-old wide receiver in a really run-heavy offense and a guy who, you know, is dink and dunk and doesn't have a ton of upside. His ECR right now is wide receiver 17, ADP wide receiver 18. He's never finished that good in his whole career, and everyone's banking on him doing it for the first time as a 33-year-old. I can't do it. Tags, do you want to defend him? Yeah, I'm not banking on him finishing there because I like he always misses games, and that's part of the problem that why he's never been there. But he averages 10 targets a game, and like when he's in the lineup, he performs. And so instead of like trying to predict what players are going to break out and you know miss off and more often than not, I'm going to take a sure thing, and I'm not going to take him in the third round, absolutely not. But if you're in a PPR format and Edelman's there in the fourth, which means he'll be your second wide receiver, you probably have two you know top 15 running backs in your roster. I'm good with Edelman there. I feel like if you draft him as a wide receiver too, you're going to walk away happy when he's on the field. And that's that's all we can really do. It's kind of like a Leonard Fournette like thing where it's like if we get him in the third or fourth round, 
we understand that he's probably going to miss some games, but when he's on the field, he produces like borderline wide receiver one numbers uh, at times, especially in a PPR format. You downgrade him a little bit in standard, but I feel like him and Robert Woods are like the end of the th- sure things at wide receiver because I get to Kenny Galladay and I'm like, that's going to be a lower scoring offense. Marvin Jones is coming back. You know, TJ Hawkinson's generating a lot of buzz. Cooper Cup coming off the torn ACL. Alshon Jeffrey, I like, but I, I, I don't know if he has top 12 upside. I'm not saying Edelman does, but I know Edelman is uber consistent and that's that's why he kind of falls where he does for me it's not I'm not avoiding him I'm not like absolutely targeting him in every league but I'm okay if I get him there I feel like there's just such a huge drop off in rankings after Robert Woods I don't know who you put at 17 but uh, it is substantially lower than Robert Woods in my mind Uh, we're going to move on to tight end and quarterback we need we're going to do those ones really quick because we need to move on and talk about the rookies Uh, but Jeff you mentioned a couple other wide receivers that you're just avoiding at ADP can you give us those names uh, boy, Jarvis Landry, um, you know, Sammy Watkins, they're basically in the same range. I'm uh, running in fear from those guys, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, just basically like the low upside or extremely volatile guys. And I will say, by the way, just to add on what you guys were saying, I'm typically drafting a running back in that range where Julian Edelman is coming off the board if it's the fourth round. And then I'm seeing DJ Moore in the fifth round. And I think that's a lot sexier. You know, it's again, it's not a sure thing, but if you want to start being aggressive right around the fifth, sixth rounds, DJ Moore is a great way to kick that off in a draft. So I have to ask you about DJ Moore because we've been seeing in the past couple of days, Curtis Samuel's ECR is moving up. DJ Moore's is moving down. You're a big fan of DJ Moore though. I am. I am. I, I know that there's some buzz from uh, Panthers camp on Curtis Samuel, but when you look at the two, who's the more prototype wide receiver? It's Moore. It's not Samuel. Samuel can do a lot of different things in that offense, and I, I like his you know, the versatility, but would it surprise us if we look back at the end of the season and saw that Samuel was the number four target? Like, would he be, you know, out-targeted by Moore, out-targeted by McCaffrey, out-targeted by Olsen? That could very well happen. So my concern is that on a week-in, week-out basis, people could be frustrated by somebody like Curtis Samuel. All right, uh, quarterback, tight end, we don't need to do both these positions and go extensive, but is there somebody from either of these two positions that you've been getting a lot of shares of and are just excited about in general? At tight end, Mark Andrews. (laughs) I love it. Really? Okay. All right. Most of my tight end, uh, you know, my strategy throughout a good chunk of the year has been getting in that wheelhouse of the fifth to seventh round. So I'm not typically at the front end of that run when Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram comes off the board, typically more towards the back end with Jared Cook or Vance McDonald. But I'm not, if the value is elsewhere that I just can't pass up, I'm not committed to the fifth to seventh round tight end approach. And I'm totally happy grabbing somebody like Mark Andrews with major upside, quietly put up 552 receiving yards last year. Lamar Jackson really liked him. You know, when John Brown fell off a cliff for fantasy was when Lamar took over and and Mark Andrews really, you know, just kept on trucking. And if not, if anything was better down the stretch there, he was a wide receiver basically in college built like a, a tight end, but with wide receiver skills. He's super exciting this year, and he's he's been the guy, if anybody, that I'm targeting in those late rounds. Now, Tags, there's a little bit of concern about how much Andrews is actually going to play just because of what we saw in the preseason, but what do you think his upside is if he's the full-time starter? That's my issue. Is like When you're drafting tight ends in the later rounds, it's like I'm generally looking for someone who could score double-digit touchdowns, and I like Andrews the talent. I really do, but I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to throw 20-plus touchdowns this year, which almost like knocks Andrews out of that conversation, and there's a lot of people that are on him and is a sleep. And like, that's, that's always something I pay attention to when we got smart guys like Jeff. 
Jeff and other guys in the industry talking about Mark Andrews as a sleeper. It's like it forces me to take a closer look for sure. But again, I've liked Andrews the talent. I just don't know if there's enough volume there for him to do it. I don't know if there's going to be enough touchdowns to score in order to get him uh, into that breakout tier where it's like, you know, we had Eric Ebron last year, obviously scoring 14 touchdowns. Uh, this year, it's like you have to go a little bit earlier to get some of the guys like like Vance McDonald, who have a higher target ceiling. There's a lot of open targets there, whereas Baltimore, things got even more cloudy than they were last year, where it's like you have Marquise Brown. You have um, you know, they've added so much. Miles Boykin got a lot of targets in the first preseason game. I just worry about that is all um, just I just don't know what the true upside of Mark Andrews is. You know, if you're not drafting one of those top six tight ends in my mind, I think you should be planning on playing the streaming game. And if you're looking at Mark Andrews' first matchup at Miami, I mean, not just last year, but if you go back two, three, four years, Miami's always one of the worst against tight ends. Now, it's hard to tell whether or not that's going to carry over from season to season, but um, as good of a guess as we have, it's that Mark Andrews has a good matchup in week one. So I wouldn't mind streaming him. Now, Jeff, what are you doing at the quarterback position? Are you waiting late for a quarterback? And if so, who's the guy that you're targeting in that 11th, 12th round? Well, I like to actually take two. I know it's contrary to what a lot of folks uh, advise, but I don't take a backup tight end in most instances. So if I'm waiting to the late rounds, I mean, geez, in industry drafts, I got Russell Wilson in the 13th round in the flex league, but that's not going to happen in your home leagues. Yeah. Still, I want to take a safer guy. I want to take an upside guy. Last year, I recommended Philip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes, and I did not see that season coming (laughs) for Mahomes, but that was the logic, though. Like, if you hit a home run, you are going to hit a freaking home run. So this year, I mean, you can get safer guys, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Why are we down on Kirk Cousins when he had basically a career year last year? He was QB 12 again last year. Fourth straight year. (laughs) First season with 30 touchdown passes, and he looked good in that first drive as well. And I love that they're passing at the one-yard line. Like, give me more of that. You can get those guys to safe, then you can take a swing at upside. Like, Jameis may go a little early, but, you know, if he's there in the 11th round, then boom, there's upside. Or, obviously, Lamar Jackson has upside with his legs. Josh Allen, possibly later. Mitchell Trubisky a little bit earlier than that. Even though the reports, I'm not really worried. He showed the upside last year. I wish Kyler was still going that late, but he's not going to go that <laughs> late. Um, so that's typically the approach is those guys – and if I was going to really pinpoint it, like I'm waiting to the as long as possible, even in a 12 team league, I'm waiting as long as possible. And I know that Kirk Cousins is going to be there as my fallback guy. Yeah. And then just one one upside guy, Lamar Trubisky, uh, one of those guys. I've said this before. If I'm going streamer, it's Dak Prescott. But if I'm drafting two quarterbacks, and Jameis Winston's going a little too high for me now. Uh, I don't know why he keeps rising. I, like I, I love Jameis Winston. He's just going too high. Oh, I know why he keeps rising. He, he, that's where he belongs because of math. That's true, but I'm waiting on quarterback a little bit longer than Jameis is going. If I'm going two quarterbacks. You named him. Kirk Cousins and Mitch Trubisky. You killed it. Yeah, they're they're 19 and 20 in ADP right now. Yeah, I've got them 11 and 13 on my board. Tex, how high do you have Trubisky? I am at 12. As Jeff mentioned, you know, the, he showed the upside last year. I, I, I'm doing a, a sleepers article right now in terms of like players you can get outside the top 120 that present like potential, you know, top five upside. And Trubisky absolutely does. Like, you know, Bobby, you mentioned on the, on the show about a three week stretch. There was a four week stretch last year where Trubisky scored as many fantasy points. There was only there's only been four quarterbacks in history who scored more fantasy points than him during those four weeks. And they were all legitimate, like top tier fantasy quarterbacks. Not to saying Trubisky's going to be there, but that's the upside that Jeff's talking about that you aim it's like if you hit it awesome if you miss you didn't spend any draft equity to get him anyways all right guys let's move on over and talk about some rookies first let's uh talk about one of the sponsors of today's show bombas 
Guys, when I was in school, the really cool thing was Pokemon cards. Everybody was trading these and trying to collect the coolest ones. I wasn't cool enough to do the Pokemon thing, but you were cool if you had it. And you weren't if you didn't, so I guess that tells you about me, right? Now it's Bomba's socks that bring out all the envy on the schoolyard, which really isn't all that surprising because they're the most comfortable kids' socks ever. They're colorful, literally bursting with color. They even have a little colorful bee on them. And comfortable, they're so comfortable, they're designed with several comfort innovations They help make them feel better than any other kid's sock ever made. So send your kids back to school with the socks that keep them comfy, colorful, and ready to take on the school year. And since Bomba's donates a pair of socks for every pair purchased, you should get some yourself too. Guys, seriously, since I ordered my Bombas, I've been wearing them every single day. I'm not joking when I talk about how comfortable it is. Folks, I really don't like socks, but with my Bombas, I just, I feel even more comfortable than when I'm barefoot. I ordered the men's performance running ankle socks, and they've got this like ventilation system built into the socks. I'm not even kidding. You guys have to check it out for yourselves. And if you want to, visit bombas.com slash fantasypros. Again, that's all one word. And get 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S, dot com slash fantasypros for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash fantasypros. All right, so moving on over to rookies. Um, This is not a very good rookie class. Typically, we've got one of these running backs going in the first you know, round or two. The first running back off the board right now is Josh Jacobs. Then we've got David Montgomery, who's quickly catching him. Miles Sanders is moving up the board. Jeff, uh, you already mentioned David Montgomery as someone you like. How do you feel about Josh Jacobs? I actually have him one spot ahead of Montgomery, and the reason for that is there's there's less of a path or less of a barrier for him to a three down role. You know, he we know he's a good pass catcher. He showed that at Alabama, and he's a decent runner between the tackles. And when you compare it, you know, you have Tariq Cohen. Well, Jalen Richard is not Tariq Cohen in Oakland, and there's really nobody who's going to challenge him in early down situations. So I think he's in a good spot. But of course, uh, when you look at the Oakland Raiders schedule, the Oakland Raiders schedule is is not pretty uh, to start the season. So they start the season with the Denver Broncos in week one. That's a pretty good run defense right there. Then in week three, they get the Minnesota Vikings. That's a pretty good run defense right there. And then in week five, they get the Chicago Bears. So there could be some Josh Jacobs owners that, and then by the way, they're buys in week six. So by the time we get to week six, they could be freaking out over Josh Jacobs and panicking and you could swoop in and trade for Josh Jacobs on the cheap, especially like, hey, if you're in like dynasty leagues, you could somehow, if you get really panicky owners, I know that's probably like least likely course of events, but still, if you have that, I would go after it. Just be careful if you draft Jacobs. It's a tough opening slate for him in September. But again, with rookies, we always have to be patient. That's a really good call. Um, now, there's a couple other running backs that are being drafted later. You you mentioned Daryl Henderson. Yeah, I agree. I would wait until the uh, seventh or eighth round if I'm going to draft Henderson. He's got some plenty of upside, of course, and I think he's going to be fairly reliable just based on how much they're saying they're going to cut down on Todd Gurley's workload. He's going to be used on third downs quite a bit. So he, he can be a, a flex play from week to week, but I'm not spending that kind of equity on him. There was so much buzz on uh, Daryl Henderson that they love him and yada yada. And now all of a sudden everything is going down. It's going south. And it's like now everybody likes Malcolm Brown. It, it kind of goes back to what we kind of thought all along. Jeff, do you, how do you feel about that backfield? Like is is Daryl Henderson someone that you would draft? Like me personally, I think he belongs outside the top eight rounds. Like if you get him in the ninth or tenth, that's fine. But I'm not aiming to draft him. Well, I think the key comp is that Chris Thompson comp. And anybody who's owned Chris Thompson, remember he a couple seasons ago he started out really hot. 
And people just expected that to literally continue. He's a passing down back, though. So passing down backs, yes, any given week, they could go nuts. They could go bonkers and be a top five fantasy running back. And then the next week, they could be outside the, the top 40, top 50. You know, it just depends on game script with those types of guys. So that is concerning about Henderson. I agree there's upside, but I'm not as convinced as I was maybe in May that he's Todd Gurley's handcuff, especially just given their offseason, you know, their offseason move with Brown matching the offer sheet was pretty telling, making sure they kept him in the building. I feel like there's three others that belong in this tier of rookie running backs with Daryl Henderson. Damian Harris tags, you love him. Uh, Justice Hill is, is one of my guys. I like Damian Harris too. And then Devin Singletary. Are you drafting a couple of these guys or, uh, or staying away for the most part, Jeff? Typically staying away because I'm already done drafting running backs at that point. I draft running backs really. I want to try and get, if it's a 16-round draft, I want to get my four really before the end of the ninth round. Uh, and, and they're just simply going too late. Because I know what's, you know, what's very likely going to happen is these running backs get drafted in the late rounds and owners get impatient in September and they end up cutting them. So you can get them without using draft capital. And like I said, instead, I'd rather take stabs at some of those deeper wide receivers because there's really interesting names. And we were talking about like Anthony Miller, or Dante Moncrief. Like these are guys who you can possibly get at, even in the 11th, 12th rounds. There are, you know, John Brown. Uh, you could even take a stab on some of these younger wide receivers later in, in drafts. Thought, you know, Debo Samuel looked really good in that preseason game, obviously. Uh, so you can take stabs super late on those guys. I'd rather do it than at running back. So in, in the past few years, we've seen a lot of league winners out of the running back position who were drafted super late. Alvin Kamara, this is before the holdout from Le'Veon Bell, James Conner. Um, it's before the injury to Spencer Ware. We saw Kareem Hunt being drafted in the 14th, 15th round. Uh, Nick Chubb was drafted late last year. Now, that's if you hung on to him. Marlon Mack, same thing. That's if you hung on to him. A lot of guys were picking these two up. But at the wide receiver position, we haven't seen quite as many breakouts. So uh, I'm curious why it is that uh, you're not taking stabs on some of these high upside running backs. Is it just that you have to wait so long and it requires an injury? Well, it's the patience factor for sure, but I'd rather let somebody else drop those guys. And and really it is, it's the, you know, you mentioned injury. Uh, a lot of those instances you're talking about injury. Camara, we, we literally didn't know what we had with that dude and we should have. We knew what we had with Hunt. If anybody was paying attention, like Andy Reid took this guy on day two for a reason. Yeah. And unfortunately, yes, it didn't work out in the long term there, but in the short term, he was a big time fantasy factor. Oh, yeah. We have to just pay close attention to the situations. And right now, when I look down through the list, I don't see a lot of guys that really would stand out with a situation. I mean, maybe Harris, like we talked about earlier, but that's really contingent on the injury situation for Sony Michelle. And if he's good to go, then Harris Harris's role is smaller. Somebody like Carlos Hyde, but then that's super risky because Andy Reid has already mentioned basically every running back on that depth chart. He he talked to Sirius XM NFL last week and said possible RBBC and said Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams all, all possibly competing there. So it's a volatile situation. I don't see guys who are standing out there necessarily. So it's almost, it becomes a guessing game in, in some instances. Uh, and I'd rather take those stabs at wide receiver. 
Now, Tags, there's a lot of uh, newer listeners listening at this point. Your fantasy drafts are coming up in the next week or two, so they finally start listening. Why don't you tell them why you're such a big fan of getting a lot of shares of Damian Harris? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Jeff talked at the beginning of the show about Sony Michelle, the, the concern that he's had two procedures on his knee over the past 12 months, the fact that the Patriots did spend a day two pick on Damian Harris. But the reason I like Harris so much is that even the player profile I wrote on him before he was drafted by the Patriots, I said, he's a guy that's going to make some coach really happy. He does everything you ask him for. He's going to get what's blocked. He's going. He doesn't make many mistakes. He gets downhill in a hurry. It's like, you know, if Belichick loved LeGarrette Blunt, he's going to love Damian Harris. So Damian Harris, to know that they held him out in that first preseason game is very telling because it's like they reportedly had some issues on the goal line, the entire offense, uh, when it comes to running the ball. So a lot of people thought that Damian Harris would get some play in that game just like to try and work out some of those kinks, but uh, he didn't play a single snap. So Damian Harris is obviously of value to them. And it's like one of those situations where I have no issue. Like, I don't purposely aim to handcuff running backs, but if I do draft Sony Michelle, I am willing to take Damian Harris maybe a round early. And I'll mention in regards to Justice Hill, the reason he's my guy is, you know, I'm looking at this Ravens team. Obviously, when Lamar Jackson took over, they ran the ball. I'm not kidding. 45 times a game. That's going to come down. It's going to come down to probably 35. That was the league high last year. Um, but even so, that leaves a lot of carries. Yeah, Mark Ingram's there, but he's on the wrong side of 30. Gus Edwards is there as well, but they spent some draft capital on Justice Hill. And they've got no number one or number two wide receiver. I think Justice Hill could carve out a Tariq Cohen-like role. And if anything was to happen to Ingram... Justice Hill, who I've described as a, a bigger, faster, stronger version of Philip Lindsay, I think he could break out. He's one of my favorite late-round stabs. Um, now, this third group of, of running backs, uh, these guys aren't really being drafted, but they're guys to at least keep an eye on waiver wire speed dial, especially what happens with Ezekiel Elliott, because Tony Pollard right now, they're saying is the backup. The Cowboys are raving about him. I think it's coach speak. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's Alfred Morris, but Jeff, I'm curious what you have to say about Tony Pollard, Darwin Thompson, uh, and Alexander Madison. Tony Pollard is one of the best kick returners in NCAA history. <laughs> Let's just say that right off the bat. But he had, a in three years there, just over 130 carries total. You know, granted, you know, he, he split with uh, Daryl Henderson, so that says something. But he's more of a pass-catching back to me. I don't buy that he would be a three-down guy. He could certainly contribute in passing downs. But I think it's going to be Alfred Morris or, you know, possibly one of the other guys, Darius Jackson or Mike Weber. But uh, I'm not buying that necessarily. Uh, I've seen Pollard's ADP really shoot up. And I'm not going to give Jerry Jones speak any really like, you know, fantasy credence. Uh, Alexander Madison's interesting, obviously getting in there, catching the one yard touchdown pass uh, really in that clear Dalvin Cook hand handcuff spot, which has been a valuable handcuff spot in the past. And a decent player. There's no doubt about it. So I think, you know, we certainly have to keep our eye on him. Darwin Thompson. Fast, 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 fast. Wow. Uh, exciting. Really exciting. Now, granted, uh, I know Twitter was against the third and fourth stringers, but the performance in the preseason definitely encouraging. We know that this isn't just Andy Reid talking about the young kids right now. He's been doing it since May. He said that we have some young running backs on this roster who can contribute immediately. So Thompson certainly is going to be interesting. I've seen him get drafted in a number of drafts recently, but uh, you know, at this point, until we get a little bit more clarity there, you're still just throwing a dart with, with Thompson. Tex, do you think there's any chance that Andy Reid just turns it over to Darwin Thompson? No, I don't see that happening. Just, I mean, 
it, it all comes down to opportunity, right? And if and if someone were to go down, like if Damian Williams like re-injures that hamstring and Carlos Hyde is as inefficient as he's been the last two years, it's like all of a sudden opportunity knocks. And that's what happened with Damian Williams last year. You know, Spencer Ware uh, was the next man up and he struggled a little bit. Then he got hurt and it was like Damian Williams just blew up and Spencer Ware was an afterthought. So it's possible it, it happens at some point in the season, but I don't think it just happens just because mm-hmm. Andy Reid decides he's a starter. I think a lot of people are going to start drafting Darwin Thompson with that you know, 5% chance that if, if it's even that, that he becomes a starter and they're just going to be disappointed wasting a roster spot. There's a lot of other running backs with, with better opportunities, RB2 upside. Some have RB1 upside that you can get uh, quite a bit sooner. Damian Harris is, uh, is one of them. Uh, now I want to talk about just briefly Kyler Murray. He's moved all the way up to ECR number 12. Um, now you did like him, Jeff. Would you take him if he fell to the uh, 10th round? I would. Yeah, I absolutely would. And it's just the simple matter of the fact he is a dynamic running quarterback, but also, I mean, honestly, he wasn't Baker Mayfield in that offense, but he really wasn't that far off of Baker Mayfield as a passer. You know, he he really showed some impressive big boy throws last year. The question, obviously, we know he's probably not going to have a lot of time to throw with that offensive line. How do the offense? How, how do these wide receivers perform? We know what we're going to get out of Larry Fitzgerald. You can set your watch to him, but can Christian Kirk step forward? Does one of these younger wideouts step step up? Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson. One of these guys. Do they step up? What do we get there? So there's some question marks, but I think that's a that's a nice range. Definitely in the tenth round. Any earlier than that, and I think we're we're pushing it in terms of the draft capital that we're spending. Tex, do you have any Kyler Murray? I do in best ball. I have a few shares because I made it a point to get a few because, like, I mean, I'm not, like, super high on him. I miss my QB 13. Um, I think there are concerns that Jeff already highlighted. I, I am worried that they brought in Michael Crabtree and almost signed him. It just tells me that they feel like their younger receivers just might not be there yet because you're not going to bring in Crabtree just to have depth on your roster. Um, so I am. there are a few concerns with him, but as QB 13, it's like basically, you know, we've talked about this. Once you get outside, like, the top six quarterbacks, I'm basically going to stream the position, and I like Jeff's approach, too. I don't have any issue if you want to grab two of those guys that present upside like a if you want to do Kyler Murray and, and Mitch Trubisky as your two quarterbacks that's fine because it's 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 more than likely then you're going to have a top eight fantasy quarterback on your roster which one I guess we're going to find out so I'm looking at Kyler Murray right now Let, let's say he runs for 700 yards I could see him doing more than that it, I'd say the over under might be uh, a little bit less but 700 yards okay if he gets to 3,500 passing yards they're running all those plays all he needs to be QB7 last year w- would be 17 touchdowns now, we had someone on the show in the past uh, week who was talking about uh, TJ Hawkins and how he thinks he's ready. Right now, his ECR is sitting at 20. His ADP is dropping a little bit. It's down to 14. It was in the top 12. Would you touch Hawkinson, a rookie tight end, Jeff? No, no, unfortunately not. Good. <laughs> it, takes, it takes too long for these rookies to, to round into form, and it's so rare to see a guy in, a, in their rookie season, especially like the Rob Gronkowskis of the world, obviously are rare. But even George Kittle in his second year – to produce that's super rare it typically takes three or four years and look Eric Ebron how long were people trashing him in the fantasy community and the reality is like he had the upside and we finally saw it last year it just finally came in his you know his fifth season in the league so Hawkinson I think down the line super special player same thing with Fant both of them are going to be studs but in year one we'll maybe see a couple nice weeks out of them, but good luck predicting which weeks those are going to be. Absolutely agree. Tags, I know you're with me as well. Now, finally, at the wide receiver position, it seemed as though everyone was talking about how 
the wide receivers were were so good in this year's draft class. And here I am looking at the number one wide receiver in ECR, Nikhil Harry, is wide receiver 53. Now I agree, it's a deeper class. We've got 11 potentially fantasy-relevant wide receivers, all the way down to Miles Boykin, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Terry McLaurin. But I'm not seeing anybody that I really want. Like, there's some upside with Paris Campbell if the Colts actually use him. Marquise Brown, if he wasn't dealing with a foot injury still, I know people are getting excited about Hardman because he's got all the speed, but Jeff, I'm not seeing any wide receivers I want to draft. How about you? Yeah, I'm not, unfortunately. Like in industry leagues, I've taken, you know, thrown some darts at guys like, like I said, Debo Samuel or, you know, maybe a little bit earlier, DK Metcalf, but it's just because it's industry leagues and home leagues, probably not going to do that. But yo, by the way, I I'm in the Philadelphia area. So had the Eagles game on, on uh, the first, first week of the preseason. And I was very surprised to hear Ross Tucker. He was doing the broadcast, but uh, Ross Tucker saying JJ Arthega Whiteside. Ooh, it is a Spanish pronunciation, like Spaniard Spanish, and it is the King Spanish. So that is actually how JJ pronounces his last name, Arthega Whiteside. Well, now we know. Thank you. Now we know. I had no clue. <laughs> I was like blown away. I'm like, are they are they messing his name up or is that what? And then they actually went into it because they say you might have noticed we're pronouncing the name this way. And so there you go. New story there about JJ. I need Bobby to do this. <laughs> JJ Arthega Whiteside. <laughs> Tags, is there anybody that you're getting any shares of these rookie wide receivers? I know earlier you liked Marquise Brown, but with the news coming out that his foot just really isn't ready coming off the list, Frank injury. Yeah, it was like, yeah, he was like one of those guys you can grab late in drafts, like as a potential top receiver for his team. But yeah, I'm avoiding him now. He's moved down my draft board. If there's anybody, it's DK Metcalf. Uh, We haven't heard Pete Carroll come out and talk like high praise for David Moore anymore, but he has come out and talked about Metcalf a bit. Uh, We do know that Metcalf is raw, but we do know that if he's in man coverage, he can beat you. And he's got Russell Wilson, which helps. And Russell Wilson can buy some time with his feet. Russell Wilson has an arm. He's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, where it's like, if you're going to take a chance at any rookie, you're going to look at one that has, you know, an elite quarterback. So, you know, while I don't necessarily like Nikhil Harry uh, as, as a as a prospect, I think that he was overdrafted. Uh, the fact that he does play with Tom Brady is, it benefits him and that, you know, that offense there, there's a lot of missing targets there, but... I'm not drafting Harriet as the 42nd wide receiver overall, which is where he's currently going in drafts. And I'm probably not drafting Metcalf as the 45th wide receiver either. But those would be the two that I would like even consider. Can we all agree not to draft Nikhil Harry as your wide receiver for Jeffrey with us? I am with you. I okay. will si- I'll sign off on that one for sure. You know, I wanted to ask you about one more player before we end the show here. It's another rookie. It's Andy Isabella. Right now, his ECR is wide receiver 79. I mean, he graded out really well, too. No no doubt about it. But yeah, we just last year, Andy Isabella's fantasy points were like off the charts. <laughs> it really, he's undersized. There's no doubt about that. But when you run 4-3, it doesn't really necessarily matter. I think he is going to be a long-term productive pro. The problem is he plays the same position as Larry Fitzgerald, right? He, he plays a slot. So it may take some time. That's why I actually think Hakeem Butler might be the better bet on that out of that, those three rookie wideouts for initial production, but not even that much because really Christian Kirk, I think this is the year where he takes that step forward. But Isabella, you know, not only is it that he's a good athlete, you know, really good football player, he's a cool guy. I actually had him on my Sirius XM show. Oh, cool. And he was just such a great interview. Sometimes those interviews aren't the best. And he was he was told a story about how he doesn't really play fantasy, but he had a buddy who was playing fantasy and he kept giving his buddy 50 bucks to play the league for him. And his buddy 
kept losing. <laughs> I'm air quoting losing the league for him. <laughs> so his buddy was just pocketing his 50 bucks, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, very, very nice kid, like really easy to root for. And, and certainly I think he's going to be uh, a long term fantasy factor for us. That's awesome. Jeff, great information as always. It's always a pleasure having you on. Absolutely. Glad to do it, guys. All right, and thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Bombas. You can get 20% off your first purchase of the most comfortable socks ever. Visit bombas.com slash fantasypros. Again, that's all one word, and get 20% off your first purchase. And also, Draft, the best place to play best ball. You can enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on Draft for free. If you make your first deposit on Draft, just enter Draft in the app or play store, or go to draft.com and use my promo code FANTASYPROS for your free entry into the best ball championship. Again, that's draft.com and the promo code FANTASYPROS. And also, NFL Game Pass, if you want to watch the preseason games live, you can get a 7-day free trial of NFL Game Pass at nfl.com slash fantasypros. And don't forget to check out the Cheat Sheet Creator at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. And if you want it for free, you can take advantage of our deposit offers at fantasypros.com slash offers. For Jeff Ratcliffe and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.